Welcoming you back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter here for BeaversEdge.com. Joined by Beavers Edge writer and KGO radio host TJ Matthewson here for this week of the Beavers Edge Podcast. We're back following Oregon State's win over Washington State. Uh, 24 to 10 at Research Stadium for homecoming weekend. Oregon State improves to 5 and 2, uh, 2 and 2 overall in the Pac 12 after dropping their first two. They've now won straight or one, two straight, excuse me. And now they return to Reeser Stadium this Saturday, the second part of a two-game homestand to face Colorado before having their bye week at about the roughish midpoint of the season. So again, Brennan Slaughter here from BeaversEdge.com, joined by TJ Matthews. And TJ, how you doing, my man? I'm good. Didn't I'll be honest, Brennan, did not get to watch much of uh, much of Saturday's game. Uh, was in Section 310 at T-Mobile Park for uh, six mm. hours and 22 minutes. Now, if the game, the, the Mariner game only went nine innings, <laughs> I could have gotten home and watched the entire Beaver game. <clears throat> yes. But I didn't get to. Uh, so, but nonetheless, my prediction from last <laughs> week on our on our predictions came true again, 7-0. and Yep. Seven and zero picking on winner the over there. This year. T.J. Matthewson, folks, I know. you gotta. I know. Take his, I know. Take I his say, picks and I to said, Vegas, man. Take T.J.'s said, picks to Vegas. I, I said, you know, they're at home. Defense is going to play great, and what do they do? Ten points. Exactly. That. There we go. Yeah, it was a big. It was I, obviously. And it, might, a big, and it might be less this week. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. It was obviously a, a big win for Oregon State, and we're going to get into it, T.J. But real quick, I just have to ask about your experience. I'm not going to make you relive it because it was tough. And I've talked to some Mariner fans. It, it was tough, man. It was a tough way to go out. But I have to ask, when did the beer sales shut down? And did you notice a significant change in the fan attitude after the beer sales got shut down? Uh, well, they, they stopped at the same time they always do in the seventh. And they, I don't think they opened back up. They usually close concessions around then, right. too. So when a game goes twice as long as it's normally supposed to, Right now, now even if you mm-hmm. ate in like the third inning, like you still right. have fifteen innings with no food, right? So you know, <laughs> I think everyone was a little. It, even despite that fact, Brendan, there were about forty-four thousand people who stayed all eighteen innings. Impressive. I, I'm dead serious. It was yeah, full impressive for eight for six hours and twenty-two minutes. Which you know that happens in the regular season, which it won't anymore with the new extra inning rules. I mean, that doesn't happen. It, it was like it was kind of a, a, a surreal atmosphere to see and something. You know, <laughs> kind of felt like a dream when you were there yeah. for the first time. But it was cool. I did stay from the start. I, I did not eat at the ballpark. You, you're asking about beer or food. I did not eat at the ballpark. Wow. I ate breakfast before I got there uh, and then did not eat again until we got home uh, about 12 hours later. Uh, so Man, it was, a, uh, it was a little brutal. Yeah, it was a was long a day. Long... But it was a pretty good atmosphere. Uh, again, was hoping to get home and watch some of the Beaver game. Uh, after the game, because if it would have ended at a normal time, say four thirty, five o'clock, easily could have seen it, uh, but yeah. I did not. But it, it was cool, a good, a good experience, a pretty heartbreaking loss. Not gonna lie, but it was yeah. uh, good, and my voice is starting to get back to normal levels after it was <laughs> evaporated for the last forty-eight hours. No doubt. Well, let me tell you, TJ, what else was an awesome atmosphere, and that was Research Stadium uh, on Saturday as Oregon State uh, had another sellout crowd of sorts. Uh, felt. Very similar to the USC game as far as, you know, the energy and research. The student section was packed. Jonathan Smith uh, made note of it in his post-game press conference. And 
um, you know, mentioned, you know, the last couple games, our Pac-12 teams have had to come out and do their warm-ups. Our student section is already packed and filled to the brim, you know, before the game starts. And, um, you know, that electricity that we saw against USC was, you know, resulted in a win, uh, obviously, this weekend. Uh, and, I, and I think it was huge for Oregon State to kind of build off of what we saw positively against Stanford. You know, you and I talked at this podcast last week about how there was a weird sentiment. It maybe didn't feel like a 100% like true, hey, you really dominated and won out their win. It kind of felt like one you may be lucky to dodge a bullet on. Then you come back home, TJ, and there's no doubt about this one. Oregon State clearly outplayed Washington State. It shows up in the scoreboard, and it showed with the fact that, you know, the Beavers really weren't, once they got up, they played the game their way. They played safe, conservative football, a strong run game, and really got after Cam Ward, which I remember you mentioning last week was going to be, you know, a big key. We both did. And, you know, forced Washington State to be one-dimensional and, you know, now sit two and two in conference and five and two uh, overall as a result. And, and you, if you're a Beaver fan, you really like to see this because there's an almost a pretty good chance you're going into the bye week bowl eligible, which yes, sir. how many times have you been able to say that in the last 10 right. years? Not too many, not quite as many times. So it's, it's refreshing to see. And again, in a game you're favored, you come out and you, you do, you play significantly better. And it wasn't even sort of like a great game for Oregon State. The defense exactly. played very well. The running game was good. The offense overall, though, was, eh, it was yeah. you know, it was fine. You know, Ben Goldbranson was, good word. Oh, it was, it was fine, right? He completed yeah. half of his passes. Um, so that's not like, not the best thing in the world. He threw a very nice touchdown to right. Anthony Gould, which seemed like a mistake at the time, but he made it, he made a, a pretty nice catch on that football. Was it? Was uh, it to Anthony Gould, or did he just happen to be in the right spot at the right time? <laughs> I still think well, he was running that myself. direction and he caught it. Yeah. So I'd say good yeah. enough. Yeah, I would when, say you, good well, enough. when you mentioned when when you talked to Anthony Gould yesterday, he was like, "We're all kind of bunched together," but I just kind of made a play, and I'm like, "I don't know who Ben was going to on that one, teacher." Yeah, not sure either, but he caught it, and I think that's yep. all that matters. Uh, it's all that people really care about uh, in that sense. And again. This defense at home, and you listen to the interviews from today being Wednesday, this podcast will post Thursday, so you go back to yesterday to to listen to the defense. And, you know, they, I asked them, like, hey, like, why is this def- – why do they, yeah. you guys play so much better at home? Like, significantly, too. I mean, you look at the three, the three games they played at home this year. USC just went on the road and scored 42 points at Utah and probably should have won that game. That's a really, really good offense. Yeah. They scored 17 points here. Boise State has turned it around this year on offense, and they, they're, they're, they're playing very well on offense this year. Bachmeyer's transferred, so it's now right. – uh, I think Taylor Green's the starting quarterback there. Yeah. Um, but they've turned it around offensively, and they've been really good. They turned the ball – they threw four interceptions. Four interceptions. Right. Turned the ball over four times at least. I yeah. can't remember the exact number. And then Wazoo comes in here. Yeah, and then Wazoo comes in here with a pretty – good offense like pretty decent Cam Ward a a pretty talented but inconsistent quarterback and they score 10 points he completes less than half his throws and like it's just significantly better than what we've seen from them on the road and they're going to get another chance against really just an atrocious offensive team neck uh this coming Saturday against Colorado we'll get into the numbers a little bit on that um but you know a lot of what they said it's like it's just the energy and I guess that makes sense but it's just kind of puzzling why they can't bring just like a little semblance of the success on the road. Like just, just a a little bit. 
Well, there's one thing I have to appreciate, right? And that was Trent Bray, like being, and, you know, not to say that the old defensive coordinator wasn't, um, you know, real, as I would say, but I, I appreciated Trent Bray today when he was, you know, you asked him about that. And he kind of mentioned, you know, Utah being a really tough place to play. And then he goes, well, Stanford, there's no environment. And I'm like, ooh, not, I mean, not bad, TJ. Kind of threw a little bit of shade there. But, you know, maybe the mitigating circumstances, I mean, I get it, right? You don't want to have any excuses ever. But mm-hmm. the fact that Trent Bray, like, open and honestly was like, yeah, there's no energy in Stanford and Utah was intense. Like, yeah. I don't know. I found that kind of interesting when he mentioned it the way that he did, you know? It's interesting, but when you think about great defenses, now we don't know if Oregon State's defense is great. They play pretty well, pretty darn well at home. We we know that much. Great defenses travel everywhere. Offense doesn't travel quite as well. Defense does. Sure. And I'm curious to see. There will be some different tests. I'm looking forward to after the bye. That will be Uh a real offensive measuring stick. Washington's been kind of underwhelming this year overall. Not maybe not underwhelming, a little inconsistent, and sure, especially yeah, not yeah. great on defense. But their offense, we know, I think they're the number one yardage offense in college football. Um, so that's like you know, kind of another thing. Hey, you need energy. There's going to be energy at the Husky Stadium. There's oh, yeah. always energy at Husky Stadium. So I'd be kind of kind of curious to see. But it's just like we just now have these like defined points right. of the defense is just that much better at home. I mean, just a significant level better right. at home than it is on the road. Right. And I don't want to harp on the games beforehand, but then, you know, you think about, like, maybe why the defense didn't play. I mean, Fresno State game, I almost kind of attribute that just to I think that Jake Hayner is a good player, and I don't think the Beavers had quite gelled on that side of the ball yet. Then you go to Utah, TJ, you almost talk about, like, how the defense kept them in that game, but it's almost like, you know, you you never want to say that a team, you know, kind of changes its mentality – but after, you know, Chance Nolan throws two picks in the first three drives, one of them being a pick six, after you had gotten, I think, I mean, they forced Utah to punt a fair number of times in that game. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. you know, first drive, Utah just, you know, go, you know, guns a-blazing kind of a thing, and they rolled up some 40-some points. No, like, Oregon State's defense didn't play, I, I still maintain, didn't play horribly, just had those interceptions. So, I think yeah, now they see they kept him in the game, but like uh, maybe thinking in the sense of where's that game changing turnover? Like where's right. the, where's something that's going to set your right. offense up in a good spot? Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, it I, hasn't been there. And it yeah. wasn't even really there against Stanford. And you mentioned like, you know, the energy, but you know, Tanner McKee was, was thrown pretty well in the first half of that game and the first, you know, in the third quarter as well, um, yeah, see, which was yeah. not what we've seen from the Beavers at home where no one really gets that volume yardage. I mean, uh, you, you can look at Cam Ward, he threw for what, 350, 345. But yeah. he threw the ball 54 times. Yeah. So It'd when you work. throw the ball that many times, you're going to get some yardage. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it, it'll be something to see. I mean, again, if they, the, the, that, that next step, that ceiling we talk about is, mm-hmm. you know, some of these home performances going to have to go on the road. It's going to have to happen. I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in the second half, like you said, because I think there's some road games to kind of really show that, right? So it's like you think about a matchup with Arizona State, game you should win, right? A matchup with Washington, very, you know, up there as far as, you know, being able to, like you said, it's a winnable game. So I think think those could be some good measuring sticks, you know, after the bye week. Um, But, yeah, again, like I said, you know, 
certainly a, a little bit to nitpick, as you said, uh, specifically, you know, we talked about the defense. Um, I thought the defense played well. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but played, you know, pretty well. They were really after Cam Rising, or Cam Rising, excuse me, because I mentioned him, Cam Ward. And, you know, were really, it seemed to me like their scout was great. They knew what he was going to throw. Some of his little dink and dunk passes uh, off to the side or, you know, kind of delayed reaction kind of a thing. They played really good, got after him. Uh, I think we had a, we definitely had a uh, season high in sacks. I couldn't, uh, couldn't tell you off the top of my head uh, how many sacks had been, like the most it had been since, but, you know, really harassed Cam Ward and were able to kind of get a finale performance as opposed to, you know, Caleb Williams at home where he was able to elude. Ward was able to elude a lot less. So I think that's kind of growth for defense. But offensively, mm -hmm. TJ, like you said, I would kind of describe it as you did a ho-hum game. Um, I, I don't think Oregon State, you know, rocked anybody's socks off with their offensive performance in this game. I think it was consistent, control the clock. You know, we've got a run game that's working. Don't take very many chances or shots. And, you know, that's what we saw. And, you know, uh -huh. whether or not, you know, base, we, we unfortunately didn't get to talk to offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren this week. So, as of Wednesday, we're not sure if Chance Nolan has returned to practice or not. As of Monday, he hadn't uh, uh, cleared mm -hmm. protocol yet per uh, Jonathan Smith. But, uh, you know, based on what we've seen the last two weeks, TJ, not to say that Ben Goldbrinson can't improve, um, but I, I still think, like, Oregon State's offense is just really capped at how good they can be until yeah. Chance Nolan gets back. Yeah, and uh – I hear in some of our callers and here at the station, you know, especially getting that fresh post-game reaction. Again, I host the post-game show every week um, after games and people will call in and they, a, a lot of the, what they asked for, I don't know if it's an exact, I, I, this is from what, just off of memory is that they, they sort of wanted the offense dialed back a little bit just to mitigate the turnovers. So when you dial the offense back, this is what you get. Right. And the thing is, it will work against, uh, with a good roster that you have, it will work against worse teams. Now, Bo Nix and the 10th-ranked Oregon Ducks come no. in here in the final week of November. Will that work? I nope. say no, it will not. No, no. I'll say pretty confidently it, it, it won't. It, and it, it won't. It probably wouldn't work on the road against Washington, a team that can score points. Agreed. It might not work on the road down in Tempe. Uh, you know, a, a bad team. Yeah, it's pretty pretty subpar team, but they have some talented skill players on offense. They can score some points as well. They have a little right? life now too. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Will, will it will it work? Uh, is it is it sustainable? I was, it, this is not college football or pro football from 15 years ago. It's not. You right. need to score points to win games. And when your defense allows only 10 points, you can win these games. But if you, you, you have your, your defense as a bad night, this, this sort of offensive approach, it's not, it's not sustainable. And especially with a guy as talented as Ben. Right. It's sort of just sort of, cap, as you mentioned, capping what they can do. And, like, there, there is – stuff there to do but it like running it like this is is it just it holds everyone back right and well i mean again i guess that's that's the thing we're looking at is you know in the immediate future because i agree with everything you just said the immediate future then becomes will it work against colorado i certainly think so and if for what it's <laughs> yes for it what will. it's worth 
if Chance Nolan's not back by Washington, we've been lied to about his injury. Probably. It sounded, though, so when he comes out as a neck strain, they say right. neck strain, right? I believe. I don't know if Jonathan said it, but it got floated through sources to Twitter yes. that it was a neck strain. Yes. But he's in the protocol. But then it had been reported that he was Russian in protocol. protocol. Yes, correct. Right. Again, at least well, what's as been reported. As we know, as we know Jonathan's con- I was going to say, as we know with concussion protocol, we really have no idea. No. Uh, like, just give it a look at the Tua situation. I mean, it's like. It's important. Got to be safe. Got to be safe. It is important. But... It is important, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like yeah, this stuff. It's just so hard to, like, read and. Right. Um, I don't even know. Right. Like, it, it, it's inconsistent, it seems like, uh, for, right. for what it is. But for this, it seems like, you know, we're, uh, Colorado this week, take a bye, and Chance should be back by Washington. You would think. You would yeah, think. and I think, if that, I think that's got to be Oregon State's mentality and plan is you know I, I think you know if you can you make it one more week right you you get through Colorado who as we mentioned we'll get into it um you, it's like bad bingo TJ and I can pick our take our pick on what stat to pick to show how bad Colorado is so again Oregon State as long as they you know don't you know stay in Albany where, where where their hotel is you know the night before Oregon State should be you know in a pretty good spot to to take this one home and then, you know, you take the bye week, obviously, and then you prepare for, you know, that kind of, I'm not going to say second half because they would have already played eight games by then, but you kind of prepare for that, you know, home stretch. You know, the bye week, I think, comes at a great time this year, especially with where, um, you know, Oregon State's uh, schedule is, TJ. And, you know, just again, as far as potential, I just think we saw last week, Oregon State can win games with their running game and kind of being safe in the pass game. But with Chance Nolan, you allow yourself to become such a more, um, I just want to say dynamic offense as you have the threat to run yep. from the quarterback. He's a little bit more mobile in the pocket. Um, and now that we see, you know, Jack Velling coming along, maybe he can be a little bit more of a downfield threat. I just think Nolan is a lot more comfortable as a downfield passer. Who knows? Maybe he surprises us, us all and could play Saturday. I mean, the timing, it, it's it's in the mix, right? If TJ said protocol usually mm-hmm. is somewhere about two weeks-ish, a week-ish. You know, we don't know. Everything's mm-hmm. changing in that regard. Got to be uber, uber safe after, like TJ said, a, a national incident that, um, you know, definitely yeah. brought the attention to the issue. But, you know, all in all, I think Oregon State uh, should roll in this game against Colorado, TJ. I mean, I think – you know, we saw this last week, Mike Sanford Jr., you know, really ignite the Colorado fan base, ignite the team, and, you know, beat a Cal team. And we even were talking about it on Beaver's Edge. And, yeah. You know, folks were looking ahead to the game and whatnot. And, you know, I, I kind of made my made my point that because Oregon's, you know, every year is different, but because Colorado was the game last year that led to Tim Tibisar getting fired and was the straw that broke the camel's back as far as, you know, mm-hmm. losing to a team you shouldn't have lost to, particularly defensively, because Cal was the week before. Um, I, I just had this game circled as a win all year, TJ, for, for that reason. Like, Oregon, Trent Bray in particular is going to yeah. really want to draw up a fun defense for this game just to, you know, maybe yeah. uh, show he was the right guy for the job. You know what I mean? Am, am I off base there? No, no, I don't think so. And I think there's I, – I don't think there's any – place in this game where Oregon State is disadvantaged not a single not not a, not a single spot on either roster I mean uh, Colorado had a lot of uh exodus in the transfer portal most notably Brendan Rice yeah. gone he went to USC 
Um, but I don't, I want people to, to kind of just don't, don't get too nervous about the, um, the outcome last week. I mentioned it to Brennan before we started recording. Um, I would, let's look at Colorado's win last week from the Cal perspective. This is not, not to take any away from Mike Sanford um, and, you know, getting a win in his first game as an interim head coach and Carl Durrell getting fired $8.7 million on the buyout by way for Carl Durrell. Uh, it's a good chunk uh, of change for a Pac-12 school. TJ, you sure you and I can't change our career and try to be football coaches? I mean, all we got to do is get one gig, dude. Then we can there, shut it down, get fired. There and is no, there out, is man. no, there is no <laughs> better career path than being a failed college, yeah. football, pa- failed Power Five college football coach, because you just get paid to do nothing. Yeah, just give me a call, it's TJ. Great. I'll be your defensive coordinator when you get hired, bro. Just, just give me a call. Man. That'll be great. That'll be great. Just give me a call. That'll be great. Okay. <laughs> What Brendan, what is Justin Wilcox's record against teams that have started the season 0 or 5 and wor- or worse? I believe you said 0 and 3 or 0 and 4. That 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 is correct. 0 and 3 and how many Ooh. points a game does Cal average in those games? 15. I, I don't remember the points. I don't remember the points as well. Cut it in half. 7.7 wow. points a game in 3 games against teams that have started wow. 0 and 5 or worse. Wow. That wow is a mind-blowing stat wow wow a mind-blowing stat also wow uh, yeah where's the other stat one in four in the last two seasons against teams that have fired their head coach wow in that season so i i would like to just reel in and, and sort of say maybe colorado's win last week was a little bit less because of colorado right. who managed to only score 13 points in regulation by the way yeah. Um, to the fact that Cal against really atrocious teams in Justin Wilcox's tenure have been really bad. Yeah. <laughs> really, no, I think really that's bad. A, I think that's a tremendous stat, TJ. And, and I, you know, I also kind of compare it to where Oregon State was when they, you know, fired, mutually parted ways, whatever you want to call it with Gary, old Gary Lee Anderson. So it's, um, <laughs> Um, whatever you want to call it, that first game, right? Corey Hall comes in and Corey Hall, no experience as a head coach uh, coming from the defensive back room. And, you know, Oregon state plays a Stanford team that year. And that week, TJ, that still, that was before Stanford fell off, right? 2017 Stanford was still really, you know, not maybe not really good, but very good. And they won the North. They won the North that year. Did they not? I think they did. Yeah, because that was Oregon was a non-factor that year with uh, Willie Taggart. And yep. um, yeah, I would assume it could have been Washington, actually, or Washington State. I, I'm not familiar on those. I on think those it standings. was. Uh, was it not? It was not Stanford USC in the title game last in that year. I think it was. It could have been. It could have been. Bryce Love year, I think. I think. Yeah, I think. I think you're right. Uh, Don't quote me on it because, like I said, five years ago is a little hazy now. It seems. Uh, But regardless, that game itself, you know, Oregon State went up toe to toe with a great Stanford team. And if it wasn't for, and apologies to you, Ryan, if you're listening, uh, if it wasn't for a Ryan Null fumble in the very end of the game that basically allowed Stanford to, uh, you know flip the script and win the game. Corey Hall and the Beavers were in line to win that game. And, you know, you talk about how I think any team, regardless of situation and circumstance, uh, uh, TJ, um, they can hype up and play really great football when 
a sudden change happens and maybe play above their talent level, above where they've been playing that year. But then taking it on the road, like I, I don't think we're going to see the same Colorado yeah. team we saw last week, and I don't really think it's going to be close. Yeah, and it was homecoming at Colorado last week. Exactly. They sold the stadium out, which is just torn the field, for man. An o, for an zero and five football team that they they got 50, over fifty thousand people to Boulder. That was that's just a crazy number. Um, the new interim oh, defensive to... coordinator. I forgot to. I don't think I wrote his name down, but they 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 made a lot of changes to their defense last week from what they were running because right. they fired the defensive coordinator as well with Carl Durrell. And they changed a lot with that defense. I think they added a new position on the defense yeah. as well. Um, we were talking to Brian Howell on, on our show, on the Joe Beaver show this week. Uh, and he was sort of just shedding a little bit of light on that. So they, they really changed a lot in their defense, which they probably needed to because oh, man, they yes. were allowing before last week 294 rushing yards mm. per game. Yeah. 294. Wow. That's a yeah. lot. That's a that's a pretty good number if you're passing for that many yards a game, let alone running for that many yards. Uh, and I think they only allowed uh, what did I wrote it down somewhere. They allowed like thirty yards net last week. Thirty, yeah, which is uh, <laughs> yeah, some some big time changes. And I actually uh, there's if if you want to head over to uh, to beaversedge.com, our closer look at Colorado this week has a, a little bit of a snapshot at Colorado's defensive stats, and um, you know they the shift TJ from allowing what they allowed the week four before to Arizona to what they allowed against um, Cal was like the third or fourth, like quickest or biggest, like shrink, you know what I'm trying to get at? Like biggest shrink in like yeah. margin or whatever in like, you know, recent years. So I thought that was um, significant, but again, for all those reasons, I just said uh, real quick, had to fact check myself. TJ, you were right, USC over Stanford in that Pac-12 championship game. And it was actually Oregon State's second game with Corey Hall as interim where they lost to Stanford uh, by a point. But, you know, then Oregon State's, you know, rails started to kind of go off the rails from the rest of the season that on. So I think it can be hard to maintain. And like you said, the fact they stormed the field, and again, never going to, you know, disparage a a school for storming the field. But you talk about it, like Colorado, it's almost like they put, you know, their Super Bowl into that game last week, TJ. Yeah. And it's like, will you well, be able to play that at that high of a level again if you're Colorado? I, I don't think so. I think they should have ripped the goalposts out and threw them in the river. <laughs> Do they have a river? I think I now I'm bad. Do they have a river that runs through Boulder, TJ? I don't know. I'm gonna look um, on a map. Let's look on a map. You you keep yeah. talking. I'll, I'll 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 spy on a map. Yeah, I'm like, we need to see if a, if a, if a river runs through Boulder. But, uh, you know, regardless, like, you know, again, just kind of starting to put a bow tie uh, on the matchup with Colorado. Like, TJ and I were saying, take your pick, right? You 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 know, there's – Colorado was a horrible football team until they fired Carl Durrell, right? They get a little bit of momentum with Mike Sanford last week. But if Oregon State plays like they're capable of, and, you know, we see even just what we saw last week, which was, you know – that real Boulder run Creek heavy. is right next to Folsom field. Okay. So that works, right? So maybe they should have. Does but, work. Uh, There's also uh, a lake, a couple of lakes. A couple of lakes nearby. Home. Yeah. So, you know, get creative, right? Just strap them to your back and walk out to the middle of the lake. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, you know, I, I just, I don't see this as I'm kind of like with you, what you said, TJ, and we had uh, Mike Parker on rip city mornings this week uh, too. And he kind of said the same thing, you know, kind of being a, a little bit nervous for this game. I, I just don't have that feeling ahead of this game. I just 
I don't see this as a, as a game that Oregon State's going to lose. And not to say that it can't, yeah. but I think Jonathan Smith is going to have his team really ready to go. And I think Oregon State's going to be sitting six and two. Three and two in uh, Pac-12 head in the bye week, TJ. I mean, pretty yeah, sweet. There might there might be a little more concern if you're on the road, but you're not even on the road. You're you're at home, right? right? Where the Beavers are we just talk tough. about how much <laughs> how much better the defense is at home, and you, you look at, even with the sort of again renewed energy on offense and such last week, they scored 13 points in regulation. 13 right. at home, right? Right. So it the, there's there's no real number here. That I mean, 124th total offense, over 100th in both rushing and passing offense, 98th in sacks allowed, 119th in third down conversion, 124th in passing efficiency, 119th in yards per completion, and then on defense, you know, uh, 100 and I think 19th in uh, no rushing that should be 119th probably, 124th in total defense. I mean, there's just nothing there. They don't sack the quarterback. They don't tackle guys for loss. I mean take your pick right I mean where, right. where 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 is the where's the thing to be nervous will they cover the 24 point spread that maybe, honestly if chance no one if yeah. chance no one was playing maybe if they right. you know really go conservative in this game plan to say hey we're just trying not to turn the ball over maybe they won't but like there is 24 points of difference between these two rosters without question I mean yeah. I, I don't even think that's a question that, yeah, that, I agree. The, 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 the talent gap is at least 24 points, if not more. Now, granted, would Oregon State have been better off to play, you know, Cal or play Colorado while called Carl Durrell was still head coach? Absolutely. No question, right? Yes. Carl Durrell yes, was – without a doubt. He was uh, packing it in and ready for the buyout, man. He's going to be on a beach somewhere. And personally, I don't blame him, man. That's got to be everybody's dream, right? I want to be done with my career at – 50 something and be like, yeah, I just got the millions coming in, man. But neither here nor there, you know, you look at, you know, just Colorado's record this year and, and their results, TJ Colorado's top, like their season high in points is 20. Right. So let's just say they have another game like that. Just play great. Oregon state's only scored less than 20 once this, this, this year. And that was the yeah. USC game. So it's like, you know, even if Oregon state played a really bad game, I would still like their chances to win in this game. And I think you just talk about um, last week, you know, Cal, I think way overlooked Colorado. And I don't think they, you know, gave them the proper respect and deserve they get for an interim coach playing at home in a sellout kind of a game. And I'll give them credit. They pack full some field for a bad football team. And that, that makes a difference, right? We're talking about how much of a difference it makes here at Reister stadium. But like TJ said, with Reister stadium, you know, another, uh, you know, good crowd expected, um, you know, Oregon State having some momentum, the uh, looking ahead and seeing that they get a little bit of a reprieve. You know, when you talk to, you know, Brandon Kipper on Tuesday, TJ, you know, he was like, you know, get this win, get a little bit of a chance, take a step back, you know, heal up, breathe, you know, catch your breath and then gear up for, you know, that second uh, kind of stretch of games. And I think this is shaping up well for Oregon State. They go in, take care of business against Colorado. Um, I think 24 is a little high on the spread myself. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take um, Oregon State's points in that regard. I think the Beavers will win somewhere between the 17 and 21 range. I think they'll win by about three scores. Um, but, you know, regardless, I see this as a win for Oregon State, and I think they're going to be sitting, as I mentioned, six and two, uh, f- um, uh, heading into uh, conference play. Or heading into the bye week. In the, in the bye week, yeah. And, yeah. I, again, I think a lot of people would take that, right? Six and two. Uh, you, yeah. you know, you're only two losses coming to two of the four best teams in the conference. Um, 
you know, overall and the, the, the other one of the best teams in the conference, you get to play them at home. Right. And the, the Ducks during the rivalry game in a few weeks. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting the same thing, Brendan. I guess we'll see my exact score prediction on uh, yeah. when I type it out probably tomorrow. But Beaver, the mean, Beavers will yeah. win on Saturday. They, they, yeah, they I, absolutely will win on Saturday. I mean, you know, you think about it, people. I mean, there are people out there, TJ, who, you know, subscribe to, you know, very expensive betting advice. Meanwhile, TJ Mathewson, every week, man, he, he just picks every matchup. He's undefeated. Except man. we don't so just, uh, we don't pick against the spread. So if you went money line with me, then you'd be you'd be you'd yeah. be rolling in cash. <laughs> you go money line with TJ Matthews. Unfortunately, the laws in the state of Oregon and I know the, I guess the ethics of the business prevent from from gambling on Oregon State sports. So yes, um, you have to um, you have to make your way to the uh, the Great Spare Mountain Casino to uh, to roll yes, that you one. Do. Yes, you do. So so it's yes, not impossible, correct. right? I, I'll, I'll always advocate for the great casinos in our state. So you know any of uh, uh, you know, you got to make your way out there. But all jokes aside, TJ's picks have been awesome this year. And, you know, I, I love getting to read uh, what you and Dylan and what you guys think uh, every week with Beaver's Edge and our uh, staff predictions. And obviously it's been a busy time at Beaver's Edge as, you know, TJ's been our boots on the ground, talking to the guys each and every week. Uh, Dylan just had a, a, a bit of a recap with a, a defensive end that was on campus this last weekend. Beaver's been hosting some more guys and you know, you think about it, TJ, you know, with more wins starting to come on the football field, you need some more wins on the recruiting trail as well. So it's going to be real exciting yeah, to see and, how those things come hand in hand. Yeah, and Oregon State just launched their NIL collective. I think it's right. the uh, – The Woodshop. The, uh, the, no, 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 no. Um, oh, excuse me. Called the, the, the Giant Killers Collective. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Scott yes. Sanders just launched it. We were, Mike and John were talking to him on the show today um this is an interesting nugget um do you know what jt daniels asked the collective for when he came here when they're still workshopping it but he did he was here at practice you know talking with jonathan smith and uh this really interesting fact he said on our show today uh jt daniels and his family uh and just how crazy this nil world um was um is today and what quarterbacks are getting paid um uh, now this is again just through word of mouth, um, so not a not a confirmed actual number, um, but the 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 request from from the JT Daniels camp to come to Oregon State was a house and four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, steep. I mean, just it's <laughs> it's the world we live in now, right? And you know, it is. Be, it was pretty crazy. And yeah. you know who has a higher passer rating this year than JT Daniels? Chance Nolan. <laughs> there you go. So go right. Figure. I mean, it. Yeah, you kind of piqued my interest. I might have to see if I can uh, find any word of mouth on that as well. But, you know, on that expensive note, we'll go ahead and uh, put a bow tie uh, on this podcast. I want to go ahead and thank uh, TJ Matthewson for uh, joining me. As always, man, uh, it's, it's awesome getting to talk beeves with you every week, man. And uh, awesome to hear about uh, your 18-inning experience up there in Seattle, man. I'm sure that was uh, epic, even though it didn't go the way of your guys. And, you know, still something I'm sure you'll never forget. I mean, for – a multitude of reasons. So I, uh, again, big thanks to jumping on the pod this week, man. Definitely looking forward to uh, talking the Colorado game. And obviously we'll be back next week, even though the Beavers are on a bye. TJ and I will have some fun. We'll uh, get into uh, kind of some mid season stuff. 
maybe we'll uh, talk a little uh, talk a little bit of everything. We'll maybe do some NFL. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll touch on a whole bunch. We'll figure of something next out. Week. We'll figure something and, out. And uh, you know, obviously, look ahead to that massive matchup uh, with the Washington Huskies uh, up in Seattle uh, at Husky Stadium. So that's going to be a dandy of a game. But this weekend, 5 p.m. Uh, at Research Stadium. Make sure to keep it locked. BeaversEdge.com for all the coverage uh, leading up to the game. And uh, this is Brendan Slaughter for TJ Mathewson signing off on this edition of the Edge Podcast.